Good evening. We'll be studying 1 Kings chapters 9 and 10 this evening, mainly chapter 10. We will run through chapter 9 quickly. David covered that, uh, went over that some uh, this last class. We're just about to the end of our studies in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus was carrying on a discussion with some of the Jews and they were looking for a sign. And in that in that discussion with the Jews, one of the things he told them near the, at the, near the end of that, he said, the queen and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She, she, she had to see Solomon and she took the effort and the time to travel the distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, Jesus said to the Jews, a greater than Solomon is here. I don't know if they had to go an inch, you know, but they were, they were there with the Lord, the Lord that gave Solomon the wisdom that he had. And so just amazing, isn't it, to think about that kind of thing, to stand before the one who created everything in a word and gave this man Solomon that they believed in, gave him the wisdom that he had was standing right there before them. In Matthew 17, Peter, you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, there appeared Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, and then a cloud overshadowed them. And, well, in a moment it did, but the, so Peter said, let's make, Lord, let's, it's good to be here. Let's make a, an altar for uh, Moses and for Elijah and for you. Well, a cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. <clears throat> and I've tried to make a point in, uh, at the very beginning of the classes just to emphasize the attempt, in a measure, to emphasize that you know we are under the new covenant of Christ today. There's a lot of passages we could go into that about. But just thinking about just alluding to some things here, thinking about some things here. You know, we're, you know, we don't today hear Moses and Elijah in the sense that we, they are our authority in religion. You know, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Colossians three seventeen. So hear ye him, the Father said. Jesus is the voice of authority in religion today, not Moses or Elijah. Sometimes brethren use the Old Testament as authority for their practice. Now, we, we could uh, it'd be a whole lesson in and of itself to look at the proper use of the Old Testament, but the proper use of the Old Testament is not as a basis for our authority in religion today. <clears throat> Just some review questions. What did Solomon bring into the temple? So the temple was completed, and then Solomon brought something in, and the people brought something in, but what did Solomon bring into the temple? In 1 Kings chapter 7. Well, he brought in all the vessels that David, his father, had dedicated. <clears throat> Remember how that David stated to Solomon that by the Spirit of the Lord, he understood the pattern of the things. So all of the things that David knew to do about the, the building of the temple and the, the, uh, the, the things that they would use in the service of that temple, he, 
David received the pattern from the Lord and gave that to Solomon. So Solomon brought these instruments into the temple. What did the priests bring into the temple? The Ark of the Covenant. Well, what, uh, what stopped? Do you remember what stopped the priests from being able to minister? They were carrying on and working, but they, they couldn't go on because of something. Something happened. Okay, a cloud. A cloud uh, overshadowed and, uh, they, and filled the house of the Lord. What action did Solomon ask God that Israel be able to do toward him? You know, in regard, in regard to the temple. What did Solomon was uh, asking the Lord, Lord, let this be. What, what was it that God, he was asking God to perform? Do you remember? Whenever any, anyone would pray toward that house, Lord, hear. Remember Daniel and Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 and how that he would, he opened his windows and he would pray toward Jerusalem. So Solomon was asking the Lord, you know, whenever anyone uh, prays to you, listen. And of course, what does Solomon ask God to do in response? To hear their prayer. Hear their, their petition. Well, God accepted Solomon's request to help Israel when they turned toward his house for help. But what condition did God place on his help? So, Lord, you know, when, whenever anyone turns toward this place and they, they are asking you for help, maybe they're in a foreign land, they're asking you for help, hear, O Lord, answer them. What condition did God place on his help? Right. I'd like to just read that verses 6 and 7. 1 Kings 9, 6 and 7. But if you shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cut out out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. Um. You know, God would cut off Israel from the land he had given them and cast them out of his house and cast out his house. One time I was talking with a, a watchtower witness. And he was talking to him about the, uh, the earth and how that one day in Second Peter chapter 3, God would burn it up. You know, at the coming of the Lord, the earth would end, everything would be burned up. And he, he would say, you know, there from the book of Genesis, you know, well, Brent, God called what he did in creation he called it good you know does it stand to reason that God would call this good and then destroy it well it did to me because second Peter 3 verse 10 and 11 tells us that and so he was taking his own reasoning instead of the word of God you know everything a lot of these things we're looking at uh, the things that God indicates to us that had a time and a place you know, they, they, were, they were good for that, like the law of Moses, it was good for a time. The earth is going to be good for a time. But God brought the law to an end, God will bring the earth to an end. And this temple that he gave them the pattern to build, well, if they didn't follow his instructions, if they didn't keep faithful to him, he would destroy it. 
And so they just, we just need to learn the lesson to, again, listen to the Word of God, listen to His law. In 1 Kings 9, and again, we'll just go through some things, uh, maybe briefly on, on 1 Kings 9. The Lord had told Solomon that he heard his prayer. His eyes would be upon the house, the, this temple perpetually. He said, if you walk before me like David did, I'll establish your throne. If not, I'll cut Israel off the land. Uh, every, the people that pass this house with astonishment, they'll answer and say it's because they forsook the Lord and served other gods. In 1 Kings chapter, let's see, in 1 Kings chapter 6, I have some, some points on the board here. But in 1 Kings chapter 6, the Lord had appeared to Solomon then and told him the same kind of thing that if he would, Israel would walk in his way, he would be with them, not forsake them. And I had made some reference to these points last time that I taught, but I just wanted to read briefly. Uh, just a few passages in, uh, in these references. 2 Kings 25, verse 13. 2 Kings 25, verse 13. Because we see the fulfillment of what God promised. 2 Kings 25, and verse 13. Beginning. <clears throat> so the temple was later destroyed in the days of King Zedekiah. It says in verse 13, And the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord, and the bases, and the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord. And David described some of those things to us, and we, we read some of the, about some of those things. Those things did the Chaldeans break in pieces and carry the brass of them to Babylon. And the pots, and the shovels, and the snuffers, and the spoons, and all the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered, took they away. And the firepans, and the bowls, and the such things as were of gold, and gold, and silver, and silver, and, and the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, and the bases which Solomon had made for the house of the Lord. The brass of all these vessels was without weight. The height of one pillar was 18 cubits. And so he goes on and just shows all of these things that we saw Solomon put in place in the days of King Zedekiah. Nebuchadnezzar took it away because they did not heed his God's word. In Ezra, the book of Ezra, the temple, as they, Ezra, later began to rebuild the temple. Just wanted to read a, a couple of verses there. In Ezra chapter 5. <clears throat> and I probably should have had that printed out for myself. Cold hands or it's hard to turn, a, uh, turn the pages. Ezra chapter 5 and verse 11. And thus, they, and so here they're writing to King Darius, explaining to him why they need to start rebuilding this temple. And thus they returned answer, saying, We're the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was built these many years ago with such a great king of Israel, build it in, which a great king of Israel built it and set up, King Solomon. And after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath, and he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house. And carried the people away to Babylon. So it happened just as God said. Israel indeed was finally cut out of their land. And God's house was cast out. In 1 Kings chapter 9. Back in, back in 1 Kings. In that section. Uh, after 20 years. King Solomon built the house. He gave Hiram cities in Galilee. From the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 8. It looks like Hiram gave them back. The, the, the cities that were a gift. 
And then in chapter 9, beginning in verse 15, remember how that Solomon had raised a levy of workers, about 30,000 men uh, back in 1 Kings chapter 5. Back in 1 Kings chapter 5, King Solomon had raised a levy of 30,000 workers. He'd rotate them in and out of going to Tyre and to, to build this house. And he made the strangers of the land to bear burdens and hew wood. It looks like from verse 21 that the bond service for the strangers, the, the non-Israelites that were staying in the land, it looks like that bond service that Solomon had, had started at the building of the temple, it looks like that continued. But it shows us in verse 22 that Solomon put to work uh, the children of Israel as soldiers and other government workers in his kingdom. Down in chapter 9 and verses 16 and 17, Hiram took the city of Gezer for his daughter, and Solomon, uh, he took that city and then Solomon rebuilt it. David brought Potiphar's daughter out of Jerusalem uh, and took her to Milo, we see. And then Solomon continues to offer burnt offerings to God in this section of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 25. But notice that it tells us <clears throat> that he did these things. These, you remember how that we looked at in this temple, they were, would make these offerings to God daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly at the set times of the Lord. But here in this, these passages, it tells us that he was doing these things according to the law of Moses. So in other words, Solomon was following the pattern. And that was something that I wanted to stress and emphasize. Solomon was following the pattern of God from the law of Moses. <clears throat> Again, we too want to be careful and follow God's pattern for us. We want to live by faith, of course, and do all that we do in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Solomon built the temple according to the pattern. And we had looked at examples of disobedience in a couple of passages. I don't know that I really read uh, for the sake of time, really read from them, but I'd like to turn over there uh, and read just a couple of verses in Second Chronicles 26. So Solomon was following the pattern that was given him for building of the house and the service of the Lord at that time. Remember later on, King Isaiah of Israel, <clears throat> he, he didn't follow the pattern. And in, in Second Chronicles chapter 26, in verse 16, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And then it shows us the priests followed him and told him, you know, it's not for you, King Uzziah. So he was not following the pattern. In Second Chronicles chapter 33, King Manasseh, just another example of one not following the pattern. But what I wanted to, to note here, I don't know that I, I mentioned this, had time to mention this, but in verse 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, King Manasseh, he again did not follow God's pattern in regard to the temple. It says, He built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He, made, he was worshipping the host of heaven. In verse 4, He built altars in the house of the Lord. But notice this, Whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my, na my name be forever. And the reason I'm stressing in my name, so he, in, in the temple he built altars to the host of heaven, but this was the place that was in Jerusalem. My name would be there forever. And then down in, let's see, verse uh, verse 7, and he set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of God 
of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. So here, King Manasseh was putting an altar and an image in the house of the Lord that was for the Lord's name. Now, maybe you could show me if there is. I don't know of a place, but I don't know that God ever explicitly said, now, I'm telling you not to put an idol in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you not to put an altar, an idol's altar, in the house of the Lord. He didn't have to do that. You know, we don't necessarily have to have a passage that says, well, where did God say not to do something? I don't know, a, know that there's a passage where God said, don't put an idol's altar in my temple. But he did say it was for my name. And so he tells us what it was for. He don't, does not have to list all of the things that it's not for. So I just want to stress again, we need to follow the pattern. One thing that was interesting to me is Solomon followed the pattern for the house. But we know, and David will, will help us in our study in chapter 11, he didn't follow the, God's pattern on marriage. You know, again, the, it's not that we just learn, you know, oh, yeah, Solomon didn't follow, Solomon followed the pattern on this, you know, Manasseh didn't, or Solomon did not follow the pattern on that. But the lesson is, is our, should be examples to us that the law that we have, we need to follow the pattern that we have. Whatever we do in word or deed, just like Solomon, whatever he, he did in word or deed, it needed to be in the name of the Lord that was given to him. The same is for us. You know, so while Solomon followed God's pattern for the temple, he didn't follow in marriage. And we see that so prevalently today that people, even brethren, do not follow God's pattern for marriage. We want to fo follow God's patterns for us. For example, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, Jesus was discussing marriage there. And he said, basically in verse 9, we see one scriptural reason or pattern to divide or separate what God joined. You know, God said, what God has joined, don't let man separate. So there's, but there's, he did give an exception. There's only one cause to separate or divide what God joined, and that is to put your spouse away for adultery. So the only scriptural way to separate from your spouse is for you to divorce your spouse for their adultery. And I, I'm saying it that way from that passage. You look at verse 9. And you can divorce your spouse for adultery, for the adultery they've committed. That's in difference to them divorcing you. Maybe the adulterer divorcing you. You know, if that, well, if they died, you could remarry. You could marry them again. You know, he says, uh, marry another, uh, that that would be wrong. So you could marry the same one again. But so we don't want to divide what God joined against the directions given to us. You know, Solomon had his directions. Israel had theirs concerning marriage. We have ours, but we want to follow the pattern. Solomon did well to follow God's pattern on the temple. Solomon did not do well to follow God's pattern on marriage. And so the lesson should be for us. You know, I, I need to make sure that I'm following God's pattern for worship, for marriage, whatever it might be. Comments or questions before we go into chapter 10. Well, the Queen of Sheba in chapter 10 comes to see Solomon and she gives him, she has a, a list of questions, I, I, I take it, and Solomon didn't hold anything back. He answered all that was in her heart. 
And, you know, she had heard report of Solomon. But when she got there, you know, it's true. But she said the half hadn't been told. <laughs> and so uh, let's, let's read here in first, uh, first Kings 10, the first 10 verses. <clears throat> and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house which he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. And I don't know exactly where she was from. Some have described it was possibly down uh, near the peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula. I'm not sure. But again, that passage we saw in the New Testament, she traveled a good ways, a long ways. In verse 7, Howbeit I believed not thy words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king, to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold, and of spices very great store, and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. <clears throat> Any thoughts you have on that, that portion? Beginning in verse 11, <clears throat> gold was just, you might say, pouring into Solomon's realm for abundance. All the vessels of his house were of gold, nothing was in, of silver. In fact, in 1 Kings 10 verse 27, it tells us that he made silver as stones in Jerusalem. You know, I'm kind of wondering if when the kids went out to, to skip rocks, if they just, uh, well, hey, we got these smooth pieces here, this, this silver. You know, they just started skipping silver. <laughs> you know, but he made silver as stones in Jerusalem. <clears throat> in verse 11, let's, let's read um, beginning in verse 11, and then we'll make some comments and application. And the navy also of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought in from Ophir great plenty of algum, uh, almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, harps also and psalteries for singers. There came no such almug trees, nor were seen unto this day. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred threescore and six talents of gold, beside that which he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants. 
and of all the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went to one target, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold, three pounds of gold went to the one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. And the throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood before the, beside the stays. And twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon six steps. There was not one made like made in any kingdom. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was nothing accounted for of in the days of Solomon. So I believe it was uh, the passage in Second Chronicles, wasn't it? Second Chronicles nine twenty-seven. Maybe no, it's it's to come. We'll get to that that verse where he made the silver as stone. It was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon, for the king had a sea of for the king had a sea at sea a navy of Tarshish with a navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom, and all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt and linen yarn, and the king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And the chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria did they bring them out by their means." Solomon greatly helped in wisdom and fame and fortune. One thing I was thinking about, you know, King Uzziah, when his heart was lifted up, it says that he went in and he, he broke the law of God and trying to offer incense in the temple. His heart was lifted up when he became strong, when the Lord helped him. King Uzziah, his heart was lifted up and he sinned. You know, I can't tell Maybe you know of a passage, but I I don't know of a passage that indicates to us that Solomon himself was proud from the fame, the fortune, the wisdom. To me, that that would be impressive for me to see a man, a human being, so rich, so famous, and so wise that was not made proud because of those things. Maybe he was. I don't know. I don't get that indication. Uzziah's heart was lifted up when he was became great. I don't know about Solomon, but the Lord's lost Solomon's heart to foreign women. We might say that Solomon's heart was lifted down to the the idolatrous women and to their gods. There's a proverb, Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31, verse 30. Most of the Proverbs are written by Solomon, but Proverbs 31 is by King Lemuel. And Lemuel said in Proverbs 31, verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. But so Solomon 
did much good, but he fell in that regard. And possibly, as we'll look at, uh, mention again in, in our study of Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, maybe he turned. Maybe Solomon turned back in his, in his age. Any comments or questions that you have? Let's, let me go back there. I have that written down, and uh, that, was, uh, I was, that was actually where I was going next to, to make mention of that passage, <clears throat> not in detail, because I'm just not certain, maybe not certain, you know, where all the lines are. Because, you know, God gave him riches, but I don't know. So let's just read that passage in Deuteronomy 17, beginning in verse 17. <clears throat> and so the Lord told, through Moses, told Israel long before, long ago, before Solomon, about the, the kings that they would have. It said, neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Well, Solomon looks like he did that. That his heart, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. You know, he had it in abundance, did he not? And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of his law, of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, this, this book of the law that he'll write, it'll be with him. He'll read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. In other words, follow the pattern. You know, the kings needed to write the law, keep it with them, read it and follow it. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. <clears throat> of course, we see that that, uh, that did not happen with Solomon and with the, the following kings and with Israel as a whole. They were turned over to their enemies and they lost their land and their temple. <clears throat> Back to verse 14. Okay. Verses 14 through 16 in uh, De Deuteronomy 17. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I'll set up a king over me. That, thank you. Yeah, that, that sets the, the context better than me trying to just uh, make stabs at telling about the context. <clears throat> and shall say, I'll set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in, thy, thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set as king over thee, Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the intent, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. And then neither shall he multiply wives and the silver and gold. So when you, when you come into your land, and you set a king over you, you set one of your brethren and what he'll, he should not multiply horses to himself, wives, money. And so, yes, it, it just looks like Solomon did that. Uh, any other thoughts or comments or commentary on those points? And that uh, on the screen, that's just what I had mentioned in Word a moment ago. One application for today that I think about is that knowledge and wisdom alone will not help us. 
we still have the power to choose. Solomon, the wisest man, the wisest man, Solomon chose to do wrong. And as we'll see from David, you know, the Lord would appear to him and try to turn him. But in his age, he turned from God to these women, to their idols. But he had all the knowledge, all the wisdom he needed, but he just chose not to follow it. You know, but hopefully he, in the end, he turned. Manasseh, in the end, chose to do what was right, we saw. So wisdom and knowledge alone are not, uh, are not the thing that, uh, are not the, is, thing, is not the failsafe. Our willingness to follow the Lord. In fact, you know, those who seek will find, even if we don't have the knowledge, maybe, and don't have the wisdom that we need, if we're seeking God, Matthew chapter 7, if we seek, we'll find. <clears throat> Fellowship with God is conditional. Back in 1 Kings chapter 9, we, we, had, <clears throat> we had referenced this. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 through 9. In that section, again, the Lord was telling Solomon, if you or the, your people, if they are, were with me, I'll be with you, I'll be with them. But if they turn, I'll cast them away. I'll cast this house away. If, you'll turn, if you turn from following me, God will turn from them. You know, so many passages we, we can think about that shows that, that uh, our fellowship with God is conditional. Like in Ezekiel 18, verse 24, the soul that sins will die. Well, if the wicked man turns from his sins and does what's right, he'll live and not die. So we can have fellowship with God by doing what is right. In John chapter 14, in verse 23, I'll turn over there and look at that passage. John chapter 14, verse 23. And Steve actually referenced this passage on a recent radio program. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine. I'm sorry, I've got the wrong reference. 14.23 Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So if we're following the pattern, if we're following the Lord, keeping his words, we'll have fellowship with God. He'll come and make his abode with us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. First John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sins. So if we follow the pattern, if we follow His will, then we'll have fellowship with God. Any comments, questions over the lesson this morning, this evening? Well, our next class, lesson 14, will be 1 Kings chapter 11. And again, we're getting to the end of the, of the textual study in the Kings and Chronicles. Uh, there'll be a review after that, and then we'll go into the book of Job on that next class. Thank you for your participation.